you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm excited to join you today for my first interview podcast. And this will be one in many of a series as we learn new perspectives on the health of all things and see how the osteopathic concept can be applied in new and unexpected ways in all areas of our life. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Francis Yu, and he'd like you to know that he believes that physicians are capable of getting much, much more out of life, but they lack the resources to do so. They were just not taught the importance of personal development, self-awareness, and inner work. He helps physicians develop the insight, knowledge, skills to profoundly improve their well-being, career, and relationships. Now, Dr. Yu and I have a lot of common paths, but we actually met in maybe a less commonly expected osteopathic space. And so I'd like to introduce him, give him a chance to tell his story, and then we'll share how we came together and learn more about how osteopathy is at play in unexpected areas. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really honored to be, uh, I guess, this kind of milestone for, for your, your show. And yeah, I'm really honored to be here. Yeah. Thank you. And I think it's a perfect start because, like I said, we have these common paths, very classic, you know, osteopathic origins. But where we came together in this entrepreneurial space maybe isn't where we would expect osteopathy to come into play but I see so much of it happening there. So maybe tell us just a little bit about your background in medicine and maybe your expansion beyond medicine. Yeah, I, I would say it kind of happened simultaneously because I had interest pre-medical school that in a way was a little bit uh, buried or unprioritized during medical school because let's face it, it's just a lot of attention and intention is needed to get through it uh, unscathed or scathed, whichever way right. you want to look at it. <laughs> and I ended up doing a combined family medicine, neuromusculoskeletal NMM, OMM residency. I still trip mm -hmm. it up. My tongue There's no easy way to say it, I know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think I, it basically gave me the mo most options possible. Family medicine, I get to see kids, adults, men, women more elderly patients. Oh, or I'll throw OMM in. I just have more opportunities to do things. And honestly, that was at a phase of my life where I just wanted all the options. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that kind of changed as I, well, I did my first cranial course before I started residency. I thought, oh man, I'm going to an OMM residency. I better <laughs> just take a cranial course. Right. And, and then, uh, then I did my second introductory course. And then I... Uh, uh, I mean, obviously convocations. Uh, when you first go, it's just, oh, it is flashing lights, you know, not lights, but you know, 
<laughs> things going on. All the allure. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I got introduced to these various uh, approaches, uh, where the biodynamic approach, the fashion distortion model approach. And I, I just devoured it all, right? During residency, I used vacation time to go on like to a course. I drove yeah. to like Maine to work with Donald Hankinson. Oh, I would, uh, uh, yeah, basically I would uh, go to a lot of different OMM, uh, CME, where at the point where I like, like, like oozing out my orifices, I have so much <laughs> OMM, CME, because especially- so I see I a want, pattern here, because you've been, you know, a content absorber in so many other arenas. So this isn't new for you, how you like to learn from many. Exactly. And yeah. uh, so- uh, after I finished residency, I worked five years in kind of the corporate clinical medicine model. And I started my private practice four years into it, just learning the humps and bumps of the business world and stuff not being done for me. Right. And then finally, uh, July, 2020 is when I went part-time with my employed work and really stepped my foot out not having everything figured out, but knowing that uh, I, I would call it kind of like a, it was a transition in the breath for me, I guess kind of mm-hmm. throwing in that osteopathic perspective that, oh, that phase of the breath is over. Now this is a new inhalation of a new breath of a new burning, birthing of something. And that phase was exhaling out. And now I'm doing my private practice where uh, it's osteopathy, medical acupuncture, and lifestyle. I call it transformation because, mm-hmm. I mean, lifestyle medicine is great, but someone said, oh, lifestyle transformation, transformation, that's great. So those are really the three things I do. Uh, and yeah, so that's the short version of the osteopathic journey, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm curious. So you mentioned, I love that, the allusion to the breath in and out. What do you see that you still carry with you? you know, so we often sometimes think when we transition from something, we're leaving it behind. But what do you notice that you're able to integrate, if we're going to use another osteopathic term, as you move into this new phase and new breath? Yeah. What I would say, well, there's different, again, a lot of ways to answer that, mm-hmm. right? I don't regret any of the things I experienced because if I didn't experience being a program director, being the family medicine vice chair, starting new clinical places, QI projects, I wouldn't realize that that's not what I really wanted to do. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of like the ruling out, ruling in and ruling out. If I don't do it, I can't rule it out of my, my repertoire of my authentic, you know, practice. So it's, yeah. So I don't consider it like, Oh, I wasted the time because if I didn't have that time, I wouldn't be, uh, where I, where I am today. So, but in terms of the, um, well, that's one way to answer that question. The Mm -hmm. other, the other aspect of it is, all aspects of my life, really, not even just my career, even my personal well-being, if it weren't for osteopathy, it's, so backtracking a bit, I've always been looking for 
like the knowing of you know me, you know, purpose, uh, meaning, and things like that. And I don't. I think if I didn't find osteopathy, because it led me into this meeting people who are talking about so much more than if I didn't find people who are talking about osteopathy about because breath, right? We talk about breath a lot in osteopathy, but it's, it's so ubiquitous. Maybe that's not a word. So universal. If you look at a lot of spiritual religious traditions, you know, like, uh, I don't know, pronouncing this correctly, like Ruach in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in Hebrew or like, uh, like spirit means breath, right? Really. And if you do Qigong or, or yoga, they're sort of just breath, right? And I think if the breath and the wind of osteopathy didn't carry to where I am, I wouldn't have met all these other people working with the breath. It's the same breath. It's just they're looking at it from a different way. So definitely I'm so grateful that uh, all the different perspective osteopathy I've been exposed to that I was able to integrate in a way, because in the end, if you integrate everything, you realize that it was kind of one thing to begin with. So absolutely, so yeah, 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 yeah. The inherent whole, right? That everything is one, and that oneness. And it's so interesting, and I'm glad you bring it up. That you know, osteopathy cha- charges us in medicine to think about things differently. Right? That's how it began. Was to say, here's what we're doing. How can we maybe do it? a little differently or a lot differently in some cases. And one of my goals, hopes, dreams is for people to realize, you know, osteopathy is not just for DOs, you know, in medicine or beyond medicine. And that it's simply an opportunity to look, you know, look for the health, look at the health, be in the health. And I think of health as another word for strength, you know, and you talk about that having done these other experiences, nothing wrong with them but they weren't necessarily where your health was, where your strength was in the practice of medicine, in your personal life, in your professional endeavors. And how does it feel to step into that that does feel like your strength or if I'm allowed to say your health in work? Yeah. Uh, Again, I'll use the breath, right? Because the breath is, if we're not paying attention to it, it's going to happen anyway. But if you become aware of it, there's so much more you can do, you know, breathe more, hold your breath until your body says no more, or you can practice breathing, you know, more with your diaphragm or like, and using that, that's more expansive versus just letting it do what it needs to do. Cause either way there's power uh, in it. And in the same way, it's that awareness that gives me uh, like strength, right? Because not everything is planned out. Not everything is perfect. Uh, same thing with a uh, osteopathic osteopathy treatment, right? It's uh, let's say you're doing something. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Didn't expect mm-hmm. that to happen. And uh, one of my recent teachers, he, he's a uh, he's a uh, one of the uh, acupuncture lineage teachers and what he said was you simultaneously need to have a great plan like really imagine it creatively think about what's going on kind of like the anatomy and things like that but you also need to be open to whatever may happen and Mm -hmm. not try to impose 
your plan on what's going on. So it's like this extreme paradox, but again, it's one thing. Uh, and uh, it's not, I don't feel comfortable, but I think that's good because if you're comfortable, that means you're not growing, right? If we mm-hmm. don't strain our muscles, uh, they won't, they don't, they, don't get, they don't get a chance to reform into a stronger unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same thing if you're emotionally, mentally, relationshiply not uncomfortable or strained, uh, you, you can't grow. Uh, I'm not saying you need to start suddenly emotionally bashing yourself to grow emotionally, but there are opportunities that uh, help you do that. So I'm definitely keeping uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, but I know if I don't go through this discomfort, I won't reach the vision that I'm really striving for. I'll just say, oh, this is good enough. And like 10, 20, I don't, I don't know when I'll die, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll look back, I'll look back and say, um, well, you know, I could have done more, but I only could do more if I get uncomfortable. Yeah, and I love that because we talk a lot about ease in osteopathic medicine, and it's counterpoint always being dis-ease, but there's certainly a spectrum between there. You know, an ease doesn't mean nothing or, you know, no friction at all. It's just a, it's more spacious. And I think, too, when we think about discomfort and being uncomfortable, it's allowing. Because you know, sometimes we'll run away from certain emotions and being in that space to allow it and notice like, what is the transformational capacity that I'm inviting Mm-hmm. by being here. I love the breath analogy. And one that I've seen, and I have to source the quote, was that, you know, you can't, if you had to think about every breath and control it, you couldn't, right? You couldn't keep up with your physiologic needs, but you had the capacity to harness it, you know, and finding that sweet spot between. So where do you notice is that fine line between, right? You have the power to control it, but trusting almost that inherent capacity, right? You know, so between those two. Wow, that is such a deep and <laughs> excellent question. <laughs> I figure it was, it was you know, teed up for you. This is the way I see you operate <laughs> in many arenas. <laughs> Could you reiterate just the last part again? Yeah. So what I see is, you know, like you said, we have the power to control our breath, right? We can train ourselves to hold our breath longer. We can change the rate of our breathing. Yeah. But also, if we had to consciously choose every breath to keep ourselves going we couldn't right like we have to sleep and that we would be exhausted and so I think in osteopathic medicine and thanks for calling out clarification is always good for me is that balance between and just the same as your plan I think this lends itself to it as well like have an amazing plan but be open to what's going to happen and I see that in the tenants have the structure for optimal function but trust the inherent capacity you know and so I wonder where you have found in your life or in any of the work you've done that sweet spot where it's like, I have just enough control, right? Like I'm, I'm putting the effort in, you know, I'm, I'm putting my sweat equity, that discomfort, but I'm also recognizing there's, you know, there's something more than me at play here. And if I can tap into that, you know, it supersedes and in treatments, I see that, right? Like we can be there and we can facilitate, but it's really the patient's health and their mechanism that's contributing to the optimal treatment. And so maybe treatments one, maybe it's certain practices that you have, but where do you notice you can get into that zone or the, you know, the flow state yeah. maybe? Like two of the big concepts in osteopathy, right? It's intention 
and attention. And uh, again, like you, I forget the source of this quote. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think that the name of the book was Real Magic. Uh, and he basically says magic is basically the two human powers of intention and attention. And it's modified by belief, emotion, imagination, and clarity, which it's, I mean, kind of be doing osteopathy, you kind of have to visualize the anatomy and things shifting. It's just like, oh, okay. And I carry that idea of intention, attention to things, um, I'm, I'm, other things I do. So I actually tried not to say I don't have time or time management anymore. And I say, I'm going to use my attention elsewhere or I'm going to manage my attention. Because in mm-hmm. the end, time is time. is time. It's not like you can stop it or start it, but I have attention and I have intention. It's something I can actually do something about. And like, uh, when I talk to people I'm, tra- I'm helping, in the end, I say, what is the exact next thing you can do? And that may be do nothing. Yeah. That may be sit there. That may be look at the moon, sit by a fire, and then hear the waves. Mm-hmm. That's still a something. Like a, a no thing could be doing something because something is happening. Uh, it's just your attention and intention is, is totally different. Uh, it's, it's still there. It's just doing something different. So the intention and attention, I would say, is the power factor. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, not like uh, power, but more the source factor. And it helps me, even osteopathy or in life, to realize the next thing I should do right now is just observe or, mm-hmm. or don't analyze or don't interpret or don't make a change. Because people, I think, in the day and age, we think doing something means doing something. But mm-hmm. the next step could just be stop. Yeah. You know? So that's my way of answering your question in a kind of more, <laughs> that's my, yeah. That's no, my, I love that. And I think that's so helpful. And the idea of doing nothing in medicine is so hard, right? But sometimes the most responsible decision to be made and explaining that to patients can be a challenge, right? Because they expect something to happen, but the nothing, right? The holding space, the allowing for what is can be a, very much a something. You know, it just doesn't have the same level of activity as we might want. We see that, you know, the common popular example is antibiotic prescription, right? It can feel like nothing to not get one, but it could be the everything when it's inappropriate care and being able to stand in that, right? Because it's almost easier to be doing something, right? We're a a doing culture and to be able to just say, actually, no, right? Right now I'm going to pause. And especially with treatment, just like you said before, when you're engaging in a treatment and something happens, you're like, whoa, didn't expect that. But if we're expecting anything to change, we have to be prepared for anything to change, you know, in that moment, for better, for worse, you know, listening for the feedback. And so I think that's a great tie-in to the question or the comment or however it was (laughs) presented as it came forth. So you mentioned being in private practice right now. And I'm curious, I've been working with physicians in our specialty, neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine since March, right? Since 
pandemic closures happened, my own clinic moved to closure secondary to a PPE preservation order. How are you finding it to be in a hands-on specialty in a time when we're called to physical distancing so much? How has that impacted you and how have you used your intention in that space? Yeah, so I think the one context is that I'm in New York, right, which was like the... um, this forerunner is not the best word, but the, yeah, I mean, it was impacted more earlier, earlier than other places. And I'm also on Long Island, which is hours, a few hours east of Manhattan, which is the, you know, the densely, mm-hmm. that's its place. And, and the other context is that in March, all my patients, because they were so good, said, oh, we're just not going to come out. We'll stay home. It's like, great. Good for you. I honor and great. Mm-hmm. And I just said, oh, I'll just close up shop. I, my landlord luckily said, okay, you don't have to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Know, and I said, oh, let's, this is an opportunity to work on some other thing. So I started working on my online stuff, find a business coach, you know, uh, go on physician summits, you know, meet great right. people. <laughs> yeah. find an accountability person that I can chat mm-hmm. with. You know, that, that, that's all exactly. what happened because I wasn't at my practice. And, uh, but I started getting calls saying, when are you opening? When are you starting up again? I said, I'm just going to see what happens. And they called me and said, oh, okay. I, I, I guess the tide has shifted in a way. Uh, but I did have to do my research, right? I uh, Luckily, everyone comes in, has their mask, or I do house calls, and they say, oh, they have a mask at home. I called up colleagues or mentors to say, what do you do? And I bought my, uh, I bought this uh, HEPA filter mm-hmm. to help with the circulation. But actually, I realized the, the office already had two Dyson fans, which have HEPA filters and circulation. I was like, oh, okay. And I got this UV light, and I was, I was going to, oh, I'm going to go crazy. But I realized that, uh, I mean, they're wearing them. I, I just reasoned out they're wearing a mask, and they're, they're cleaning everything. And uh, I realized as, as long as people are reasonable, and, and I'm not having like 10 people wait outside, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm in a, not in a densely spaced area. And... Uh, well, that's part of it. So people start coming into office. There's usually space in between, so they're never at the same place at the same time. And I've been doing house calls, uh, and I've had a lot of people come from Manhattan because they have like they come to my area and they like my house there. I'm saying, mm-hmm. okay, come to a house call. Say, okay, sure. And um, yeah, like train of thought kind of uh, stopped there, but it's it's. It definitely helped that, uh, I guess for me, that the the timing was that the cases started decreasing and people where I'm at were very careful and they they didn't come out unless they felt safe and they felt safe. And I made sure my office or if I was going to their home, I made sure they're safe. Well, safe. You know, I had my sanitizer, my my mask, and uh, wiping down the table. Uh, yeah. So, and yeah. it sounds like 
there was that do nothing moment right? there was this pause you know clinic closed yeah. you shifted away from some of the other clinical or employee responsibilities but you certainly weren't doing nothing you know and we have a lot of pauses in osteopathic treatment sometimes it's mid-treatment right we'll sit in a still point for yeah. a second a minute 10 minutes you know? yeah, yeah. and how full that pause was and how did it help you reset how does your practice look now that maybe is how you always envisioned it or how you maybe never expected it but it's serving you in a positive way I think what happened was I started to figure out the private practice spiel right oh website do I need to be on google business Although people have been practiced for decades and say, oh, you don't need all that. <laughs> you know, but as someone that's new, uh, do I, what business entity do I need? And, you know, business credit. And, and it was tough working that, towards that. And that break helped me realize that, oh, actually, I did all this stuff. You know, it's, it's, it wasn't easy. And I had to say, hey, kind of good job. But then the stop helped me reorient to where I wanted to be and what my, I wanted my practice to be. Cause I'm a one person show. I don't have any employees. How can I optimize my phone lines and whatever? It helped me just prepare now that I actually knew what I was doing. I mean, in the business aspect of things and plus exploring my non-clinical interests helped me to realize that I can, integrate them and not partition them so much and being juiced up doing that stuff also helped juice me up for my, uh, my practice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting that we can build from that because we've been faced with a lot of challenges during this time. And it seems like you've capitalized on them in a good way, right? You've allowed them to serve the growth of your practice or the shift of your practice in a helpful way. And so interesting to see that you can now bring in these other principles. Do you see them in the treatment of your patients and the conversation with your patients, these other tools that you have available to you from your other interest areas? Do you notice that coming into play? Yes, definitely. So a lot of my non-clinical interests have to do with self-awareness, personal development, which we've briefly mentioned before, and whether it's the Myers-Briggs type indicator, Enneagram, cognitive biases, uh, heuristics, as described by uh, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, and it's 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 humanness and how we're framed and how we do things, which essentially is the big point focus point for a lot of health condition, right? It's it's the choices we make, right? We, we, you know, I like how we say. Uh, we say someone has normal insight and judgment on an examination. But in, actually, in human cases, normal insight and judgment is still pretty bad. <laughs> like, oh, I know I shouldn't eat 20 slices of pizza. You know? <laughs> and uh, sometimes I may, sometimes I won't. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, but the fact is that there are commonalities between people like people make similar heuristic mistakes but it's actually well described it's just but people just want to be special oh i'm not like that but it's uh, anyway but basically knowing learning those things helped me just interact with people better 
be more merciful to myself and others because I realize a lot of our actions are decided by our inner baddiness and not by mm. our, our, our heart or whatever it is that we want to really be loving from. Mm-hmm. And I also mentioned on my website that let's take the, let's say Jungian psychology, it's something I've experienced with. And I had, I had one patient f- particularly look for me because she was getting Jungian, Jungian psychoanalysis and saw that I was doing osteopathy with that background. So at first I said, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll drive people away. But I realized just being by more authentic, I'm just getting more people that I actually want what I'm trying to give to people. And again, it was being more emptied of my, what I think is right. You know, it's letting it, uh, uh, and in the end, I just got happier because, oh, great. You want osteopathy plus we can talk about this stuff and it's great. Yeah, it's amazing when you put out there your authentic message that you begin to attract the people that will align with it, you know, and, and nothing against those who don't, right? They will find the space that works for them with whomever that is. And the Enneagram was one of our survival tools in residency. And I love that you allude to it doesn't necessarily even have to be used outwardly, right? It can just simply be a tool for you to understand that other people might be thinking of something differently than you do, you know, because especially with patients where we might feel frustrated or maybe they're not taking our recommendations or even sometimes if you ever had kind of almost a combative first encounter, right, where they have a certain expectation and aren't sure if you can meet it, it can help diffuse situations. You need to have an awareness of how other people might operate, even if you don't tell them, right? I, I know this is what you're thinking or this is your operating system. Do you, when you're working with physicians now, do you bring those more to the surface in these tools that you have where you are then telling them more directly than perhaps you would with patients? Yes, definitely. Because a crux of what I want to do is, is make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. because, because if you're not willing to face yourself, I mean, yeah, you might, you might make progress, but it'll just take longer. And I think people who want to, I mean, the people that want to work with me, I, I want to work with people who are saying, I, it's, it might be uncomfortable, but I know there's something more and I'm willing to do that because uh, I don't want to be where I'm at, right? I want to move forward and that requires an unlearning in a way because as, as people went through medical school or residency, you're, you form this doctor persona mm-hmm. and we've definitely seen or been that that physician that says oh no this 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 and it's the only look at the things that confirms their biases whether it is pro super conventional or pro anti-conventional or to everything in between right they just the thing that they believe in and if you're not willing to challenge what you believe in how can you really find out what you really believe in Mm-hmm. because otherwise you're just it's like oh it's fine so the 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 story i use the most now is uh did i did i mention this already because <laughs> i mentioned i mentioned it to i mentioned it all the time now that the, the yeah. dog the i forget the name of the comic gun show or gun, gun something it's a dog in a burning building mm-hmm. right 
And the dog says, this is fine. And it picks up a cup. I think it's coffee. And it drinks it. Drinks it. Everything is fine to where it is. And the last panel, the, their skin is melting off their body. Right? And that's humanity. A lot of the time, I want to live in the fog. Oh, everything is fine. Oh, it's okay. Even though it's not. Because it's safe. It's comfortable. But the first thing I do is tell physicians, let's get uncomfortable. You have to face it. At some point, you're going to die. And if you really face even any moment, just once, like, oh, yeah, it's, why am I doing this? Even though at some point I know, uh, am I going to look back on it and say, you know, I'm really glad I really spent my time on that, even though I didn't need to. And if you don't wake up and get your aha moment, uh, it just takes longer and people uh, that work with me or uh, want to move forward, go to the next step. Uh, and that really requires unlearning, getting uncomfortable. And I wouldn't call it the barrier, but the, um, the space where things can actually happen. Because if you never actually go to where something may be happening, then then it, it just won't happen. It's, it's begging to happen, right? Please help me. I, I need this help to do this. Uh, and it, it may be psychically uncomfortable because you're going against this, ah, oh, everything's safe. And our instincts and our sympathetic, our autonomic say, oh, this is safe. I want to be like this. Stay here. Mm-hmm. I want to stay here. And uh, I don't, and we don't want to fight the dragon. We don't want to, we either, or flee the dragon. We just want to be like, where's the dragon? No dragon. We're talking about what dragon. <laughs> but getting, riding the dragon, is, which is one of the acupuncture terms of learning, is then you're, you're going to get somewhere. So I take a different approach for physicians because it's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's um, they have to face themselves, right? And people don't want to do that. Because it's instinctual, because it's they want to be safe, and it's, it's scary to think, oh yeah, I'm gonna die. What did my life really mean? And mm-hmm. uh, am I am in a job where eighty years later I'll think back, oh man, that was like so great and awesome, and I was that impactful life, and uh, used my skills, abilities, interests, and training to help people, or was it like, eh, you know, what what was I really doing? So. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of de-identification in medicine. You know, we're kind of trained to separate from ourselves and separate from our feelings to survive, you know, to be objective in certain situations. So reuniting that, you know, bringing people back to themselves can be a tough space. What would you say is on the other side of discomfort and why is it worth and why can't we maybe skip it? You know, because it's like, well, if it's good on the other side, I want to, I want to find the detour. I want to find the hack. Yeah. But it sounds like you, while you can give guidance, there's still that requirement. You've got to go through, right? You got to walk through yeah. that space. So what's, you know, what's the selling point? Why, why bother? Why go through that? What do you find on the other side? Yeah. So that's where the extreme subjectivity comes in, right? It's that person, that individual, what really matters to them and to manifest it requires their input. But 
if they're uh, not going to journey through, then they won't actually ever know what they were capable of. And how I like to show is that there are plenty of people that are way less educated, had way less resources, and some cases had less or no limbs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the famous people that I mentioned, Tony Robbins, right? He, he was, had a very tough childhood and he's very open about it. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, right? She talks about, wow, it's, but you know, who doesn't know them? And they make an impact. I'm not saying they're perfect people, but they strove, strive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and Nick Vujicic was the, um, the man who was born without four limbs, right? And, but no, he's, you know, happy, married. Well, I'm not married. He's married, mm-hmm. you know, happy, changing people's lives and gets around without having arms or legs. <laughs> and then we're like, what about you? Um, Oh yeah, I have a physician. I'm a physician. I passed all these board tests. I, yeah, okay, I, I think you have a lot more resources than other people who had less. It's in fact you have more. Like you're saying, you identified more with this persona. Mm-hmm. So now that uh, you have to unlearn some of that and to see that you know you're your worst enemy. Self sabotage is so strong because in the end no one's going to take away your freedom to actually decide things even if you you can blame other people oh that person made this law so whatever but you can still think and be creative and find new ways to do things uh so kind of going in the circle here is that physicians have so many resources in terms of like knowledge medical knowledge, things like that, they were not taught how to be critical with themselves in terms of being honest with themselves, right? And developing the introspective aspects and the soul searching and the awareness. And that's really what I work on because uh, that's what I've been you know, interested in for so long, yeah. Yeah, and... So one of the things we talk about at this osteopathic life is for the health of all things. And if you could see a common thread or a singular piece of what you've done or kind of the takeaway from your work combined, how do you see it possible to be for the health of all things or what that might mean for you? Beautiful question. I think this is where there is a sense where the objectivity and subjectivity kind of have to play together and be a little bit paradoxical, right? Because uh, I'm going to slightly diverge just to make a point. So people, so let's say uh, because of COVID, uh, I don't know how true this is. So there's less smog or there's less pollution. So Mm -hmm. now the planet is breathing better. And there's been shock after shock after shock on people from basically the world. 
I think the world's kind of trying to say something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like humans are so human centric, uh, but that's how we are. And that's how, why we were able to be who we are. But health of all things means health of all things. And people are a part of all things. All things, well, you can argue, are all things part of people. There, there's this oneness again mm-hmm. that, that needs to be, be, we need to be aware of and the intention and tension needs to go to that. And uh, I think the real truths or I guess the most important truths are all the contradictory and paradoxical ones, right? So uh, as a, simultaneously, I need to grow to be an individual myself, but at the same time become more one with other people and all health of all things. And health of all things and health of my thing, I guess, mm-hmm. is, is so intertwined. But people are, some people are good at improving their own health at the expense of the health of all things, which then decreases their health because of this, this closeness of, of, of that. So, for for me, the um, I know we talk about body, mind, and spirit, and there's a couple of you know chapters or foundations or um, that Komoro has like a book on talking about that and what well, biogen that comes up here now and then in osteopathic literature. Uh, but for me, spiritual health, right? Spirit is like breath, right? It's like stuff that's moving, stuff like you can't like oh I got it in a bottle now, right? Yeah. It's so it's kind of like the, like, uh, all things are waves and particles. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a science geek. So. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like that wave part of it. That's not like, oh, I grabbed the wave, you know? So it's, it's about the movement and relation and uh, the being that's not the tangible being. So it's the relationship with divinity humanity and other so therefore that's me so that's the spiritual health and that is kind of like the health of all things because long answer short health of all things is spiritual health spiritual health is health of all things and that's not just a human spirit is Mm because spirit to me means the connection uh, again that's not the best word the 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 um, the oakness <laughs> with with whatever is more profound and what keeps what makes us all the same and different. Again, paradoxical because I think that's where <laughs> it yeah. really is. Yeah. No, I love that, and it, you know, all comes back to the breath, and I love that description, the visual of spirit, and certainly the opportunity we have as we expand ourselves and gain awareness that we are contributing the health for the better or the worse you know and so how are we stepping into that fully i think that's really excellent so thank you for answering those questions for yeah, riding wow. through the challenging ones 
and for sharing what you're doing. You know, I see an opportunity here to notice how osteopathic origins have created a foundation for you that's growing and expanding into all different arenas as you connect. And I think that's one of the pieces I appreciate most about osteopathic medicine is the connection, right? We're talking about connecting the parts within the body, connecting the body to the world around it. And in this case, connecting ourselves to one another in new and unexpected ways. And so maybe next time convocation happens, <laughs> we'll interact there perhaps, or in these new entrepreneurial worlds. And before we close, I want to make sure people know where they can find you and learn more because we have a lot to share and a lot of mediums in which you're sharing. So go ahead and tell them and we'll make sure it's in the show notes as well. Yeah, my primary uh, home is Facebook. Uh, I am on, I have accounts everywhere, right? Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, but really a lot of it's just stuff that I was going to put on Facebook, but I make sure it gets to everywhere so that you can find me everywhere. I'll respond, but Facebook is the best bet. Uh, I have my, my personal page if you want to come friend me. I have my doctor page if you come to find me. I have my, my group, like my physician freedom, where we talk about freeing ourselves from ourselves, basically. Mm -hmm. A group, physician freedom. And you can email me, doctor.francisu at gmail.com. That's the uh, email me, email. And my website, which is, again, drfrancisu.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to many future conversations and lots of different arenas. And I appreciate how you're supporting the health of all things. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.